Just like he's the giver of spiritual life at the point of salvation, he's going to give us physical life, the Holy Spirit will, at the point of the resurrection. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, from God the Father and God the Son, will give life to our bodies, and we're going to get new bodies, and he's given now as a pledge of that. So he is the life-giving Spirit. He gives life at birth, and he gives life at resurrection. When I say at birth, I'm not talking about physical life now. I'm talking about the rebirth. The spiritual birth where the Holy Spirit gives life and then looking ahead to the resurrection when the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge now, will give life to our bodies. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part five of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible this morning and turn to Romans chapter 8. The eighth chapter of Romans. Romans chapter 8, this book of Romans is such a tremendous uh, summary of the gospel of Christianity, the great truth of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible is full of truth, and truth, God's truth, liberates, it's freeing. And if you have been a Christian any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. There is freedom when we come to know the truth. But the truths of the Scripture are not always welcomed with open arms. Uh, In fact, the natural man is very selective what he wants to hear and will hear about the truth. And of the truths that, for instance, Romans spells out. I was looking at the first eight verses, which is where we've been in Romans 8. And uh, it begins with a truth that is tremendously positive. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as Christians, we rejoice in that. We enjoy it. And even the natural man, even the non-Christian will say, that's nice. That's good if you want to believe that. That's a good thought. And uh, But then look at the eighth verse. Those who are in the flesh, and he says it point blank, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, we've seen in Romans 8 in this whole section that he's contrasted being in Christ and in the flesh, in Christ or in the Spirit, and he uses those terms interchangeably. In Christ is to have no condemnation, to be in the flesh, to be outside of Christ, to be not in the Spirit. You can't please God. Now, that's just as true as the first verse, but it's not as well accepted. In fact, it's not very popular at all. Far from embracing it, the natural man rejects that truth. When we say point blank what the Bible says, that on our own, in the flesh, we can't do anything to please God. The man who is rejecting Jesus Christ, though he go to church, though he do good works by our standards, the Scripture says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, the natural man doesn't like to hear that. Uh, Jesus said the same thing to a man who was very religious 
And, in fact, a religious leader, you remember Nicodemus, who came to Jesus and uh, said, Hey, good teacher, we want to hear from you what you have to say. We can tell you're from God. And uh, Jesus said, Listen, Nicodemus, you must be born again. That which is of the flesh, that which is born of the flesh, is flesh. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. Of course, Nicodemus was thrown for a loop by that. But as I say, this is the great truth that Romans has expounded and opens up for us now. And we want to take a third look this morning at life in the Spirit. Because in the flesh, no man can please God. He says it as strongly as he can say it. But notice verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, we're under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, notice the huge contrast at verse 9. However, he says, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He's talking to Christians now, and he says, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. And all the ifs, I'll say right here at the outset, all the ifs of verse 9 and following where he raises the if question, they're ifs of argumentation, and you can read the word since. So, for instance, verse 9, however, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, since indeed. That's what he's, he's arguing this point. It's much like I said, if you're up this morning, then listen up. You know, I mean, you are up. You're sitting there. I'm not sure some of you are up. But <laughs> but uh, you see what I mean? He's saying, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells, and of course He does. Since He dwells in you, you have the Holy Spirit. You're in the Spirit. You're not in the flesh. So that's what He's arguing. And I want us to look at it, and we want to look first at the foundation for life in the Spirit, and then secondly, the obligation of life in the Spirit. In other words, first of all, the basis, and then secondly, the how-to. And if we were to break it down, it would be verses 9 through 11, uh, the foundation, and verses 12 and 13, the obligation. But first of all, the foundation for life in the Spirit. Because we've been seeing the great contrast between life in the flesh and life in the Spirit. The mindset on the flesh and the mindset on the Spirit. And now he gives us the foundational truth that Every believer has life in the Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit indwelling. However, you are not in the flesh, he says, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. When you become a Christian, two things take place. You are forgiven of all your sin, and you are given eternal life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. We don't always understand it. We don't always uh, even know for sure. 
But when a person, uh, because it's, the trouble isn't with what we could know, but what we will know sometimes. And I remember when I put my faith in Christ, I worried as to whether my sins were really forgiven. I worried as to whether I really had life eternal. But the Scripture says that God gives forgiveness, He removes the sin, and He gives life to every one of His children when they are born of the Spirit. So there's two things that happen. There's the removal of sin, and there's the bestowal of the life-giving Spirit. Now, I want to say that and kind of have it sink into our minds because the Holy Spirit is the source of life. He is the one who brings life to us. And so not only does He take away our sin, but He brings the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit brings life. Now look at verse 9 and notice the uh, synonymous terms here. First of all, in the Spirit is equivalent to the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Every Christian is in the Spirit. Every Christian has the Spirit dwelling in him. Notice the Spirit of God is equivalent to the Spirit of Christ. He uses these terms interchangeably. And notice the third uh, equivalency that I would draw your attention to right there in verse 9, that belonging to Christ... To belong to Christ is to have the Spirit of Christ. Now, he uses these uh, terms interchangeably, and he could hardly put it more bluntly. The moment you put your faith in Christ, the moment you're His, you have the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. But somebody says, well, now, wait a minute, though. How was it that Jesus told the disciples in Acts, remember in Acts chapter 1 when he said, I want you to wait here, his own disciples. He said, wait, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received what the, what the Father, what I promised you from the Father, the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, even when he used the more picturesque language in Luke 24, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. Speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit. How is it that Jesus spoke that way? Well, both references were looking ahead historically to the day of Pentecost. A lot of Christians stay confused about this because they read these uh, passages kind of indiscriminately. I want you to look back and look at them. Turn to John. Turn to John 14. Uh, the two I just quoted, Acts 1 and Luke 24... Statements of our Lord were prior to Pentecost, prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Just as when you read the Old Testament, you realize that all the prophecies of the Old Testament are written prior to the coming of the Son of God. So every reference will look ahead to His coming. And in fact, uh, even the latest of the Old Testament was written 400 years before he got here. Well, when you come to the Gospels and what Jesus was saying while he was still here, it was prior to Pentecost. So look at John 14, verse uh, 16. I will ask the Father, he tells his own. This is the night, you remember, before the cross. He says, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. 
That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I'm going to ask the Father, and he will send another, and he will be, but it's all future. Do you notice that? Or look at uh, look over at verse 26. The Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Future tense. He's going to. He's going to. Chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper comes, he isn't here yet, Jesus said, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me, and you'll bear witness also because you've been with me from the beginning. But it's future tense. In fact, uh, look at verse 7 of chapter 16. I mean, Jesus spoke so much about the Holy Spirit as he was leaving. I tell you the truth, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Think of that. I mean, that's one of the most astounding statements in Scripture. Jesus is leaving, and they're heartbroken that their Savior, the one they've come to trust and love, is leaving. And he says, listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will not come. But if I go away, he will come. Now, there's a theological reason for that. Turn back to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. When Jesus uh, stood up and publicly cried out to the whole a festival there in Jerusalem in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. And this is one of the most uh, profound statements in all of John. He proclaimed, he cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me... As the Scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus stood in a public setting the last day when everybody was gathered at the feast. He stood and cried out and said, Listen, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, he said, just like the Scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. What a picture. What a picture Jesus drew with words. And notice it's for who? Look at verse 38. He who believes. For every believer, the one who believes in me, Jesus said, from your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, talk about a picture of not only satisfaction, not only having the emptiness fulfilled, but being a source yourself then of blessing to others. Instead of being thirsty, he says, from your innermost being is going to gush out rivers of living water. What's he talking about? Well, we don't have to guess. We don't have to just speculate. You just read on. Look at verse 39. This he spoke of the Spirit. We don't have to guess what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John adds the footnote. 
But Jesus said, listen, the, the truth of the matter is, if you believe in me, you'll have a river of living water rushing out from within you. Far from being just kind of barely satisfied, you will become a source of blessing. Who will? Everyone who believes. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Now, was it done yet? No. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet come. He goes on and explains. The Spirit was not yet given because the Son was not yet glorified. While the Son of God was here, the Spirit was not yet given. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, he won't come. But when I go, I'll send him to you. Now, every reference is future tense. But when you come to the epistles, it's the other way around. I want you to look at a couple. Turn over to Romans 5. I mentioned to you uh, that Romans uh, has hardly mentioned the Holy Spirit until chapter 8. But when you come to, uh, to the epistles after Pentecost, every reference is stated in the past tense because the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and since then, every believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit is in the Spirit. So Romans 5, remember that was uh, really one of the few times he'd even mentioned the Holy Spirit until he gets to chapter 8. That's really not the purpose of what he's driving at. But he mentions the Holy Spirit in passing, and he says, you know, this hope that we have that uh, God works into us through tribulation doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Past tense. The Holy Spirit was given to us. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, he says. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. In fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. I think it's 14 times that Paul says in Romans and Corinthians combined, don't you know? And then he gives truths, you know. And in Corinthians, the carnal Corinthians, the Corinthians who were struggling with these things, he said, don't you know? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear. If you've come to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. You are in the Spirit. The life-giving Spirit lives within you. And all the references on this side of Pentecost stated as a matter of fact or in the past tense. When Jesus was speaking of it, he looked at it as future because we're talking about a day in history, the historical day of Pentecost. It's so certain that Paul says to Timothy, you know, toward the end of his life, he says, listen, Timothy, guard the treasure that's been entrusted to you. But he doesn't just say that. He says, guard through the Holy Spirit who indwells us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. When we're charged to guard the gospel, to guard the faith that we've been given, he says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He always puts it this way. It's not an iffy kind of a thing. This isn't based on how I feel. This is based on the fact of Scripture. This isn't based on any kind of emotionalism that a Christian gets the Spirit when they go through some sort of an experience. This is based on the fact of Scripture, the finished work of Christ. He said, it's to your advantage that I go. If I don't go, he won't come. But if I go, he will come. 
And Jesus proclaimed the gospel ahead of time in John 7 when he said, Listen, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and you'll have living water coming from within. He who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So, underline it in your mind and in your heart. You don't need to go seeking the Holy Spirit. He lives within you, Christian. You don't get a part of Him, and you need to go get more of Him. He comes in person. He is the emphasis of Jesus' statement. He, the other helper, just like me. God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and He'll give you another one just like me, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And He dwells within us, and He is, notice now, turn back to Romans 8 and look at it, He is the life-giving Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. That's how we get life. We live in the Spirit. He is the life-giving Spirit, and He empowers our daily life to live according to the Spirit. And notice what He says in verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Our bodies are just as dead as the next guy's. They're mortal. And our bodies wear out just like non-Christians. But our body is dead because of sin, yes. But the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit has taken up residency in our life and brought life to us. So our body is going down, but we have spiritual life. And verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, and the Holy Spirit raised God the Son from the dead, we're told here, as you think of the triune God, you really can't separate them sometimes in, in, the, in what took place. But it's beautiful to see that the whole triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, were involved in the death and resurrection, the accomplishment of our salvation. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. Just like he's the giver of spiritual life at the point of salvation, he's going to give us physical life, the Holy Spirit will, at the point of the resurrection. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, from God the Father and God the Son, will give life to our bodies, and we're going to get new bodies, and he's given now as a pledge of that. So he is the life-giving spirit. He gives life at birth and he gives life at resurrection. And when I say at birth, I'm not talking about physical life now. I'm talking about the rebirth, the spiritual birth where the Holy Spirit gives life and then looking ahead to the resurrection when the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge now, will give life to our bodies. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Life in the Spirit, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. 
It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. And the whole idea of Scripture is that we're to continually be setting our mind on things above. And we're to continually be putting to death the deeds of the body. Yes, there's some once and for all truth that's the foundation for it. He's laid that. But now the emphasis is to keep setting your mind on things above and to keep putting to death the deeds of the body. It's a continual thing, not just a once and for all kind of a thing. And both, thirdly, are done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to bring life, and He is the one who will focus our mind on the things of the Spirit. And He is the one who enables us to live lives that please God. And remember, and we talked about it at length last time, but I want to uh, remind you that this living according to the Spirit is a life that pleases God. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part six of the message titled Life in the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.